after we talk about each of the games. Log Talk Radio. Welcome to the NFL. Sorry, welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. I'm all screwed up here, Ryan, because of the technical difficulties we have. For those of you who's tuned in earlier, we're sorry. And things went a little bit awry on the technical side, but we're back now uh, as soon as we gather ourselves. Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast 2016 Wild Card Weekend Preview. Ryan, Happy New Year. How are you doing? Hey, Happy New Year. Yeah, a couple uh, couple rough weeks here with the holidays for the podcast, but we'll uh, we'll do better going into the new year from here on out. Yeah, that's okay. I, I, I think that's, uh, that's part of our charm, our uh, shoot-from-the-hip uh, approach to this podcast, so... Uh, all right, so we got a lot to cover for this week. We got we got four wild card games that we're going to talk about. So uh, let's just get to it, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about all the uh, all our uh, keys of the game as well as our predictions as we go. Okay, the first game we got on tap is the Oakland Raiders at the Houston Texans. Oakland Raiders, fifth seed in the AFC with a 12-4 record, going to Houston with a 9-7 record, fourth seed in the AFC. That will be Saturday, January 7th at 4.35 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC and on ESPN. Tell me, uh, Ryan, what are your keys to the game here? What are your thoughts about this Raiders and Texans game? Oh, man, it is is just going to suck. Um, this is really going to be a game of, uh, you know, one of those uh, who sucks less uh, type games. Um, obviously, yeah. goes without saying, it's the worst matchup of the weekend. Um, I, I would say the keys are whoever whoever messes up less. Um, you know, I think I, I, I'm going to take Houston in this one. I think, you know, I think that there's a, a better team. Um, but I, I think the, the overall keys are, um, it, it, I think it's going to be on the defensive side. If Houston can just right. really, really, really shut down Oakland, um, which I have faith they can do, um, given the quarterback issues there, um, then you're not asking Brock Osweiler to do a whole hell of a lot. I have very little faith in Brock Osweiler. I don't think that there's a guy whose stock has fallen more in a single season than Brock Osweiler's. Um, the, the laughable interview uh, or post game he did this week, talking about um, how he went into the into the huddle and cracked a joke to the offensive lineman, and how he just wants to get back to playing football the way it was when it was fun um, for him to do that and then to go out and continue to get their, you know, their butts whooped um, just shows just what a, just how he doesn't even get it. Um, but, you know, you come in and get a second chance and you're up there talking about how you're just laughing and having a good time. So, um, you know, I, I honestly think, you know, like any playoff game turnovers are, are, are major, but it really comes down to, to which offense screws this up more. Because um, I don't know how anybody can have faith in either one, and it's really unfortunate for Oakland. The one thing I would say about Oakland is I'm looking to see what kind of team they have because they kind of mailed it in last week against Denver. Um, Denver didn't yeah, have, have a, you know a ton of reasons to play in that. If anything, after the Don Terry Poe, uh, you know, rubbing it in touchdown late in the game, um, you know, Denver had an incentive to go out there and try to screw over uh, uh, Kansas City in that game. But uh, it's clear that Oakland took the the, the car injury to heart. And they kind of went out there and mailed it in, which was disappointing to see from the rest of that team. So hopefully they uh, they bounce back and at least show a little bit of fight um, on uh, on this weekend. Yeah, so I, I'll say this. Um, you know, they, although Osweiler is making light of the situation, he actually did have a 
drop-down, drag-out fight with the head coach there during halftime. They kind of made the news, and both of those guys had to play it down after the game. So I don't think everything's kosher over there in, in Houston. I think that he's frustrated because he's having a terrible year, and the Texans are frustrated because they overpaid for what they, it looks like a, a huge bust. Uh, and they were, and they're wishing that Tom Savage would, would get back out there, but it's not going to happen. And on the Raiders side, you know, Derek Carr going out. Um, you know, the, you have uh, Matt McGloin coming in, taking a shoulder injury. He didn't look good actually when he was out there. Connor Cook now going to be named the starter for this weekend. Um, you know, that's going to be really interesting. I don't know what's going to happen here, but they have one of the better receiving cores in the NFL there between Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, and Seth Roberts. Uh, and 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 it's actually that offensive line is better than you think. The uh, Raiders actually allow sacks on only 2.9% of dropbacks, which is actually best in the NFL. Second to the Steelers at 3.4% and the Giants at 3.5%. And just for a little bit of a, just just so you know how how good that is, the NFL average is 5.6%. So, you know, if they can protect Connor Cook, and with that uh, exceptional receiving core out there, what do you think? You think Connor Cook can make it happen for the Raiders? I don't. Uh, for those of you out there who are as sick in the head and as addicted to football as I am, that you actually sit through that insufferable uh, Good Morning Football show on the NFL Network right. like I do, um, they had a whole segment the other day about how the Raiders are actually really confident in Cook, um, that they think he makes a lot of good throws and they really like him. And it's like, hey, I get it. They're the NFL Network. They're doing you know the PR, trying to make the game interesting. But Connor Cook's a third-string quarterback for a reason. So I, you know, I'm not I'm not buying into that at all. So. Um, do I think they can move the ball a little bit? Sure, but I, I think Houston has a decent enough defense. Um, you know, they've played pretty well this year. Um, you know, I always think that their numbers are inflated because they play in the AFC South, so I'm not willing to call them a top-tier defense, but I think that they have a good enough defense that going against a third-string quarterback, it's going to be really hard for Oakland to move the ball um, and, unless they really establish Latavius Murray early on in that game. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, the, the Texans do have the fifth best passing defense as per DVOA by Football Outsiders. Uh, Jadavian Clowney and John, uh, John Simon uh, uh, providing a very effective pass rush uh, without J.J. Watt in the, in, the, uh, in the mix. And they uh, allow the eighth least conversion rate on third and fourth down. So the Texans do have a great defense, but their offense, and you already mentioned Osweiler, I mean, they've actually only won two games against teams with winning records this year, so what do you think of that? I mean, you think uh, you think the Texans are actually going to be able to do this on offense? I mean, that's what I'm more worried about. I, I'm not worried about their defense. I'm worried about their offense. No, I think their offense is awful. I see, honestly, like a, a 13 to seven type game. You know, very similar to right. every every time Houston gets into the postseason, whether it's the uh, you know the, the games against those. I think two years in a row they played Cincinnati. Um, you know, and, they, and both teams at back of quarterbacks. It's just going to be it's going to be one of those even in playoff football terms an unwatchable game. Yep. So by ESPN Power Rankings, the Raiders and the Texans both each have a 0.8 percent chance of winning the Super Bowl. So I don't think we're expecting much out of these guys. But uh, you know, who knows? You know, you never know. Right now, the uh, the over under is at 36 and a half, and the Houston Texans are favored by three and a half. Give me your prediction uh, here, uh, Ryan. What do you think? Who's going to win straight up, and will they and will they cover the spread? Yeah, I'm 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 taking uh, Houston in a 13 to seven win, and uh, I'm putting my money on the touchdown coming from the defensive side of the ball or special teams. Wow! So, uh, wow! 13. Yeah. And, All right. 
Yeah, so I'm, pound, I'm pounding the under on this game. Um, I just don't think okay. either team can move the ball, and I don't think it's going to be one of those good defensive battles. It's going to be a sloppy game, um, a lot of penalties, a lot of missed throws, and a lot of, uh, um, you know, a lot of mistakes and turnovers in this game. Right. I'll also take the under. I'm thinking, actually, that Oakland can beat the Texans there, uh, and I think that they will actually obviously then cover the spread as well. But I don't think it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be ugly football all the way around. All right, so let's move on to our next game, and that is the uh, Detroit Lions at the Seattle Seahawks. So the uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Detroit Lions rolling in nine and seven, sixth seed in the NFC. Seattle Seahawks ten five and one, third seed in NFC. This will be Saturday night, January seventh, eight fifteen p.m. Eastern time on NBC. Tell me, what are your thoughts about this Lions and Seahawks? Yeah, so obviously me and you were kind of ahead of the curve uh, on, the, on the curve on this. I think that um, we were, you know, initially people were downplaying the Earl Thomas injury. Um, I think more and more we've heard that come about now that, uh, you know, that people realize what a devastating injury that was. And um, it's hard to ignore it with the way the Seahawks have played down the stretch here. Um, oh, no doubt. You know, they, it, it's kind of, a, you know, Ziggy Ansah has had kind of a bad year. Um, you know, I think his sack his sack totals are way down. I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, but um, you know, you're playing one of the worst offensive lines in football, so maybe they can get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, one of the interesting parts for me is going to be um, that with even with the Earl Thomas injury, I don't have a lot of faith in Matt Stafford. I think Matt Stafford's a numbers guy, but not a good quarterback. Um, so I I don't know that they can really challenge the Seahawks too much on the on the offensive side of the ball, but I do like one little uh, anecdote of being that, you know, we all know that Tate uh, came from Seattle and we know that um, Anquan Bolton played in the NFC West with San Francisco. So uh, as hard as that stadium is to play, you got a couple guys there who aren't strangers to going uh, up to the Pacific yeah. Northwest and playing football. So um, I think they could be um, kind of, uh, you know, I think, I think that experience could help them out. And I actually think that Anquan Bolton's going to have a pretty nice game um, against Seattle. Yeah, X Factor. Now talking about Earl Thomas, you know, since since the defense uh, since he went out in Week 13, uh, you can take a look at the passer rating allowed by the defense. It's actually dramatically different. With Thomas in, they allow a passer rating of 77.8. Without Thomas, they're allowing a passer rating of 99.5. It's uh it's actually night and day. And their turnover and their uh, TD allowed the interception ratio has flipped from a positive to a negative. So certainly. There is a real issue here with the defense and the Seahawks. Uh, the Lions, on the other hand, Matt Stafford, credited by Pro Football Reference, actually as being one of the best comeback uh, comeback quarterbacks in the league. He's had eight comeback victories this year. That's the most this year, and in fact, the most since the stat has been re- has started to have been recorded in 1970. Now he is playing hurt. I agree that there is some issues here with Stafford. Uh, I also agree with you that Anquan Bolden and Golden Tate, and actually Golden Tate hashtag revenge line. Uh, Storyline could be uh, big this week, um, but keep in mind the Lions are last in defensive DVOA and pass defense DVOA as for football outsiders. I think that the Seahawks are going to have this one pretty much wrapped up. Uh, is there anything that the Detroit Lions can do to contain the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, if, if I'm, you know, if, if I'm Detroit, I'm not scared of of their offense, and I would, uh, you know, I'd be aggressive. I would, I would test that offensive line. Um, if you sit back and let right. Russell scramble in the, in the pocket, I know t- you know traditionally 
Um, you want to have somebody spying Russell Wilson, I would still do that. But you also traditionally don't want to run uh, blitz, you know, um, a real mobile quarterback because you don't want him to tuck and run. But um, I don't think Russell Wilson's going to beat you running the ball. So I would, I would right. come, I'd come hard and fast at him and try to make him make quick decisions instead of letting, uh, uh, letting guys, you know, get downfield against that suspect uh, secondary. So uh, if I'm Detroit, I got a real aggressive game plan. Um, I'm not, I'm not overly worried about them running the ball. I'm not, I'm not overly worried about Seattle's offense. I think. I think where it's going to come down to um, is, is effectively, um, you know, how, how well Detroit can play offense in that environment. And specifically, um, you know, they, gotta, they have to attack with seam routes. They, they've got to hit that right. middle of the field and, sh- and challenge, the, you know, the safety position um, for Seattle and, you know, specifically go after Cam Chancellor as much as possible. Right. Totally agree with that. And, and, and then to that point, uh, to your earlier point about the run game, the offense in Seattle, they have the 23rd rank run game as per DVOA Football Outsiders. So obviously not getting anything going there. Um, they're going to be uh, basically uh, pass first, and they have a terrible, terrible offensive line. So uh, there are some some weaknesses there. Uh, they're playing at home, and they they just it's hard for them to lose at home. Uh, but I, all the points you made about the Lions are, I think, valid, and they, they could have a big, they could make a make a stand. Now that being said, ESPN Power Rankings has the Lions with a 0.2 percent chance of winning the Super Bowl. The Seattle Seahawks have a 4.4 percent chance of winning the Super Bowl. Currently, this game sits at a 43 and a half over under, and the Seattle Seahawks are favored by eight. So tell me, what do you think? Will the Seattle Seahawks or the Detroit Lions win, and will the spread be covered? Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think uh, Seattle is uh, weak and wounded. Um, I think that uh, this is probably the worst team they've rolled into the postseason um, since the nine and seven year where they upset uh, New Orleans at home. Um, with that said, I can't bet on Detroit. So um, I would say either way, I would hashtag this game uh, Lambs waiting to be slaughtered because I think they're easily <laughs> the two uh, most vulnerable teams in the NFC um, in, in this postseason. But I- I'm taking Seattle. Um, and uh, again, I don't have. I'm, I'm driving right now, so the numbers in front of me. What was the spread on the game? Uh, the spread is minus eight, so uh, Seattle by eight. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking. I'm, I'm not taking them covering, but I got. I got Seattle winning by uh, by a three or four point margin in this one. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think you're right. I'm with you on that one. I think Seattle is going to win this game. It's, I find it hard to believe that Detroit will be able to, to muster enough offense to win. Um, I don't think that uh, – I think it'll be close. I think it might be a touchdown in which Seattle wins by and that the uh, – so they might not cover the spread. I think the 43-and-a-half over-under is just about right. I actually think that the scoring will be just around that area. I will take the under, but just barely on that one. All right. So with that said, let's go on to our next game. And that is the Miami Dolphins at the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this game – is going to be played on Sunday, January 8th at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. Uh, it's actually going to be very interesting because uh, this will be a uh, surging Miami Dolphins team at 10-6 that just got handed their heads by the New England Patriots last week. I'm sure you saw that, Ryan. And then uh, and they're now 10-6. They're the sixth seed coming in. Pittsburgh Steelers are actually on the other end of that. They're just surging. They were able to beat the Browns with their second stringers. And they are 11 and five in the third seed. So, what do you think, Dolphins at Steelers? Any thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah. So, before I jump into this, it wouldn't be a podcast with us if I didn't uh, shout out my my boys uh, and send you this reference that um, 
Wow, Michael Floyd. That's all I'm going to say. But with that said, uh, I'm actually pretty excited about this game. I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining games this weekend. Um, I think think the Dolphins' run game with the the Pittsburgh Steelers' run defense um, is kind of the equalizer here. Um, You know, one Mm -hmm. of the things I keep hearing, and uh, it's it's starting to drive me nuts a little bit, um, is just all the weapons that Pittsburgh has. Now, I'll hand it to you that I think, I, you know, I still like David Johnson the best in the NFL, but I'll, I'll give Le'Veon Bell the number two crown at running back in the league. Um, and I think Antonio Brown is, is a bad, bad man, and I would put him number one in the league at receiving. Um, so they got those guys, but I keep hearing, uh, specifically around here, the New England fans who are worried about playing Pittsburgh, about all the receivers, all the receivers. I mean, last time I checked, all their good receivers, aside from Antonio Brown, were injured or suspended for drugs. So, um, you know, outside of Antonio Brown, nobody really, really scares me. Um, you know, on that, you know, on that roster. Obviously, Wheaton's out for the year too. Um, Sammy how about Eli Rogers? Been I mean, does, how do you feel about him? I mean, he had a, he had a pretty good pretty good weekend last weekend. How do you feel about Eli Rogers? Too inconsistent. So he's he's mm-hmm. he's perfectly capable of going out there. You know, um, racking up seven, eight catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown or two. And he's also perfectly mm-hmm. capable of going out there and dropping the ball three times on four targets and getting one catch mm-hmm. for six yards. So. Um, it'll really depend what Eli Rogers shows up on uh, on uh, this weekend. So um, you know, I think I think there's just matchup problems for you know. Um, don't don't forget. I mean, in all the games we ran through a couple weeks ago, when me and you were trying to decide if Miami is for real or not. Their one good win was against Pittsburgh, and they they smacked him in the mouth, 30 to 15. Um, of course, that game was in Miami, and Pittsburgh's a different team at home. So I'll grant them that. Um, but I don't think that this is a a cakewalk game for for Pittsburgh. Um, and, and I think I think Miami is probably the most prone for for a nice upset this weekend. Um, so uh, you know, I, I, yeah. I think it's really going to come down to if they can stop uh, you know the J train, or if uh, yeah. or if Miami's no. going to run all yeah. over them. This could get ugly early. Um, and Miami's no, defense has played pretty well. I know their rankings are really bad. Um, you know, I, I think they've taken off. Their, you know, Miami has either Miami shuts the team down on the defensive side of the ball, or they get smoked. Um, they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde in that way, so um, their numbers are a little bit skewed towards the negative. But I, but I don't think the defense is as bad as it looks as it looks on paper. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with all that. And to that point, to your point about Jai, he uh, in their first meeting against the Steelers, that's when his uh, that was his coming out party, uh, so to speak. He actually in that game amassed 204 yards. It was quite a, quite a, uh, a uh, quite a show. And he actually, in that game, had 3.92 yards per after contact on average. So he was actually, you know, the Steelers weren't wrapping up. He was making it. And this was actually not a one-time thing because uh, for the season, he actually gets, uh, he's actually averaging 2.52 yards per carry after contact. And only Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch has ever done better than that in a season. So uh, I think J.A. is the real deal. He's, uh, again, averaging over five yards per carry this season as well. Now, Le'Veon Bell is uh, as good as he is in some ways. He is actually third in the NFL, averaging 2.08 yards per carry after contact. So both of those guys are deadly. But J.H.I., you know, since week six, has more rushing yards than Le'Veon Bell, believe it or not. I mean, it's only four more yards, but still, that says something about how good J.H.I. is. Now, Matt Moore is in, no Tannehill. Uh, I think he's a perfectly legitimate professional NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to be able to make any plays. Uh, it's going to be on the back of J.H.I., just as you said. I think on the Brown side, 
you know, I mean, on the Steelers' side, sorry, Browns, jeez, they're long gone. The Steelers' side, I was just thinking about how, how the Browns lost to the Steelers last week. And the Steelers' side, an interesting stat, they, the Steelers' defense has actually given up the fifth most red zone op- opportunities in the league this year. The fifth most. But they've allowed the uh, least amount of points per red zone trip. 3.74 points per red zone trip. So they're allowing people to get there, but they're not allowing people to score much. And uh, and kicking field goals against the Steelers, I don't think is a winning combination. The last note is that Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, they have actually never played in a playoff game together. This is actually the first playoff game they'll be playing together. So let me uh, let me just go ahead and ask you the question uh, straight up about what you think about the game. Right now, the uh, over-under is 46. Pittsburgh Steelers are favored by 10. What do you think? Dolphins, Steelers? Yeah, I, I'm tempted to take the Dolphins, like I said, but I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hold serve and, and take the the Steelers at home. Um, I, I think it'll be a close game. Um, I think Miami will, like I said, run all over them. Which is it's strange how bad that defense is when you got guys like Shazier, Moat, Harrison, our boy Stephon Tuitt. You know they got some yeah. names on that side of the ball. Yeah. So it's it, it, it's strange to me why they can't put it together. Um, really, ever since Dick LeBeau left. But um, you know, so I, I think it's again, I, and I, I feel like I'm riding the fence here a lot, not calling any blowouts. But I think this one's going to be another close game. Um, so I'm not I'm not taking the Steelers to cover. I think the line is, is a pretty good one. I would take the over on the line. I think it's going to be not a traditional shootout, but I think Ajayi is going to have over 100 yards rushing and probably a couple touchdowns, and then I think Matt Moore's good for one. But I think in the end, um, you know, a late fourth quarter, um, back and forth, lead changes, and then at the end, the Steelers pull away at the end and win by a touchdown. Yeah, so I agree with all of this, all of what you just said. I, I think it's going to be a shootout. I will take the over on the 46, over under as well. I think that the Steelers uh, are going to win on the back of their offense. You know, it's it's interesting because their defense is just not that good. And it, and really, since Cam Hayward's been out, they've been really struggling. Step up to it has stepped up significantly. So I'll give him some uh, I'll give him some props there. I think they actually do have a chance to stop uh, the run, but. It's just not going to be pretty. There's going to be a lot of scoring. Miami covers the spread. I think Pittsburgh takes the win. All right, let's move on to the last wild card game of the weekend, and that is the New York Giants at the Green Bay Packers. So this will be at uh, Sunday night, January 8th, 4.40 p.m. I guess it's not quite nighttime, 4.40 p.m. at Eastern Time. I'll be on Fox. New York Giants. 11 and 5, the fifth seed in the NFC. Green Bay Packers, 10 and 6, fourth seed in NFC, coming off a really big, convincing win off the Detroit Lions. What do you think here uh, about the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I think uh, that this is first of all, first off um, the game I'm absolutely the most excited for this weekend. Um, yeah, like you said last week, I love I love January football in Lambeau. If you're a real football fan, you have to love that. So, um, totally the aesthetic, the green, yeah, the green, you know, the, the home hacker uniform is going to be great in that sense. Um, Aaron Rodgers is playing better than anybody in the league right now, and if he played this way the whole way, he'd be the unanimous MVP. Um, so I, I think it's hard to imagine him not coming out and having a great game. But with that said, um, I heard a stat today, which, again, don't have it in front of me, but uh, I, I think it's since week three. Um, the, the Giants have not allowed three touchdowns in a game since then. Oh, That's how good that defense has been playing. 
Um, so yeah. the Giants' defense is for real. They're definitely the best defense left um, in the playoffs at this point. Um, and, you know, they've, they've won big games all year long, and I don't think they're afraid of the, the environment. Actually, in 07, when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, um, they started that, that three-game on the road run by winning a game in Lambeau. So I, I think, mm-hmm. they, you know, they've done it before. They can do it again. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a good battle, and I think Eli Manning, when the lights come on, he shows up. So I think the X factor here is is really how the Packers' defense plays. If they elevate to the moment and into the postseason, um, then then I you know I like their uh, their chances with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing. Um, you know I said it last year that for a guy who's regarded as the best all the time, at some point uh, every great player has to pick up their team and put them on their back. And I hadn't seen him do that in a long time, and I was wondering if he really was that great anymore. Um, and then he did it this year and shut me up. So um, you know, just a lot, a lot of storylines. Two great historic franchises. Um, you know, again, if you're a football fan, if you're not, if you're not excited for that game, then I, then I don't know why, then why you watch the sport at all. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And and uh, again, about the Giants. I mean, uh, and you talked about their defense. It has been uh, a spectacular turn for them. They are actually the second best defense. Uh, per DVOA on Football Outsiders, uh, you know Eli Apple, Janoris Jenkins, Dominique Rogers, Camardi, one of some of the most solid uh, secondaries you have that are out there right now. They are actually rated top seven against all types of receivers, wide receiver ones, twos, threes, anything. Every they've just been amazing on pass defense. The only chink in the armor is tight ends. They've actually been they're actually ranked 26 against tight ends. Something that I think can be exploited. By um, by the fact that the uh, Packers have been using the tight end position a lot more as of late, so that's that. Now the other aspect of it is the ground game. I think a lot of this is going to turn on what the Packers and the Giants do on the ground. I was thinking that Paul Perkins would get the reins this week, but it looks like they're going to be sharing carries again for Rashad Jennings, and uh, I think that will be very important for them to, to play a little bit of ball control and allow Eli to take some shots downfield with OBJ and Sterling Shepard and Victor Cruz. Keep in mind, in 2007, 2012, when the Giants actually won those Super Bowls, they went through Lambeau Field. So it's not like they're strangers to this. They've done this before. Um, and now, on the other hand, uh, they got to face Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is unbelievable. From Week 11 on, he has the fifth-best completion percentage in the NFL and the second-best passer rating in the league. Over his last six games, he's thrown 15 touchdowns without a single interception. Now, clearly, I think Jordy Nelson's key. I, as I mentioned, the tight end, Jared Cook, I think is key. He's, he's surging at the right time. I think Ty Montgomery needs to run the ball well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think the Packers have one of the weakest defenses left in the, uh, in the uh, postseason, and it's possible for, um, for the Giants to really expose that. Uh, so I'll, let me give you the numbers here. The Giants, by ESPN power ratings, have a 0.8% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Packers have a 4.2% chance. I think I forgot to mention this. The uh, Steelers actually have a 4.1% chance, just by, by comparison. Right now, the over-under on that is 44.5, and the uh, Green Bay Packers are favored by 4.5, which has actually moved up. Uh, it turns out that they start, it opened at 3.5, and, and the uh, Green Bay Packers are now at 4.5, I think probably because of the weather. So what do you think? What are your thoughts on the Giants and the Packers? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I, I just I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now that I think the Giants are the best team in the NFC. Um, so I'm taking the Giants in a, in a close one. I, I'm taking the under. I got the I got the Giants winning 21-17. 
Um, if they do lose, I think it bears mentioning. I know we don't talk a lot of gossip on the show all the time, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I think it. I, I think it actually is a big deal um, about the three receivers going down to Miami um, and, and partying all night. I, I think it shows a lack of um, focus. I say the same thing about Kansas City giving their players the entire bye week off. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I just I, I think that comes down to coaches just not getting it. Um, so right. if they do lose, I, I, I won't blame the receivers. I'm, I'm blaming Ben McAdoo for letting them fly separately um, down to Miami instead of flying back, um, you know, with the team and, and getting ready for this week. But with that said, I, I just think that their defense is too good, and I think Eli steps up in big moments too much, and I think the Packers are a one-dimensional team, um, being that they're just, you know, they're strong on offense and they don't have a good enough defense, and balance wins in the playoffs. So, again, Giants right. 21, Pack 17. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with that, but I, I'm actually going to take the over on this. I think that will be a pretty high-scoring game, although I do think the Giants will manage to contain a lot of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they might struggle a little bit with Jared Cook based on the history and how they've been able to defend tight ends. Uh, so I say Giants win. They also cover the spread, and I take the over on the 44-and-a-half. All right, so that's all the time that we have for today. And we've now covered every single one of the wild-card games for you. So, Ryan, Tell us uh, your uh, Twitter handle so people can follow you. Yeah, it's uh, at Ryan Whitfield NE, and I severely hope um, that I'm correct about Miami losing because that means one of those jokes, Houston or Oakland, is uh, coming to Foxborough next Saturday. So I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> All right. You can follow me at FB Garbage Time and – we uh, will keep you updated on all the news concerning all the players and all the moves and everything and with the coaches and so on and so forth. But until next time, enjoy the wild card weekend, and we will see you next week. Happy offseason to the Bears. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Jordan Howard still really good. <laughs>